Welcome to the Happy Place for Your Mind podcast. I'm Rachel, and this is a place to talk about life experiences, trauma, and everything regarding mental health. Since I don't really believe in small talk, let's just dive right into it. Happy Monday, Growth Chasers. I figured what better topic should we be talking about on this Monday than anxiety? So most people, especially in today's generation, view anxiety as a diagnosis, as a mental illness, but really anxiety is something that we can all face at any given moment, at any given time in our lives. And that's something that many people don't really think about or really even try to identify or explore what anxiety actually is. So if you were to even look in the dictionary of the definition of anxiety, it would literally state that it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about an event or something with an uncertain outcome. Just think about that definition. Feeling worried, a nervousness or unease. Now, those emotions are something that we can feel for anything that's coming up in our lives that we don't know the outcome of. Now, that's a catch-22 because most of our lives, we don't know the outcome. You can try and predict, you can try and plan, you can try and do certain things to prevent certain outcomes. But at the end of the day, it's not up to us. All we can do is truly control our thoughts. So my own personal experience of anxiety, I would have to say, was taught. I grew up in a household, as most of you may know, if you are someone who has listened to many episodes of this podcast, that the anxiety based around my dad's view of worrying constantly that something bad could happen to me based on his career of being a juvenile detective, to him, those were actual real life outcomes of what could happen. For me, growing up, I viewed it as why are we always thinking that something bad's going to happen? Why are we having to think of that instead of viewing it as an experience? When you're a child and your brain isn't fully developed yet, or even a teenager, you're not thinking of the outcomes. You're just thinking of what you gain in that moment, in that experience. You're thinking of what you want to do, which that's every single teenager, adolescent. That's all you're thinking about is really how that impacts you in what you had your mind set on doing. I remember it always being a concern about what I was doing, where I was going, that my dad would worry all the time. So that worrying was absolutely learned behavior of me thinking I had to worry about every outcome, had to worry from what I was going to wear, what other people are thinking of me, what is going to happen if I go to a party and who am I going to talk to and am I going to feel comfortable? Are other people judging me? All of these overthinking, worrying tendencies started at a young age for me that, of course, led to my own breakdown in my junior year, which I don't want to be going so far back. I want to truly be focusing on how anxiety is truly viewed now as something to try and avoid. 
you may feel as if your anxiety or if you're also someone who goes through panic attacks is something that's unbearable, that you are just so fearful of having to actually face your thoughts, actually walk through what your mind is telling you because you're afraid that you're going to get trapped. You're afraid you're going to get stuck. You're afraid that there's no way out. When I always preach to my clients who struggle with anxiety that you can either befriend your anxiety or you can make it your enemy. Now, anxiety in itself is going to challenge you in so many ways. It's going to challenge you to even make you think as if you're going through an outer body experience and you don't know what just happened to your thoughts, that something just took over. And now you're thinking in all these different ways that you may not have been thinking 10 minutes before. So my analogy when it comes to anxiety, and that's also helped me through mine, is viewing it as your anxiety is truly your alarm system. So you may find yourself getting physical symptoms or getting in your head thinking all of these thoughts that if you view your anxiety as your friend trying to alert you of your emotions of your feelings, of maybe some insecurities, or even truly just some thoughts that you haven't been able to process or give a platform to feel, that's what it is. Now, mind you, everyone has their own interpretation of anxiety. Every single person has their own individual experience with it. I'm just sharing with you guys that what has helped me, what has helped others is if you truly view it as an alarm system. So. Many people may view it as anxiety can be something you battle with for the rest of your life, which could be true. Anxiety can be something that's treated with medication. That's also true. It can also be treated with talk therapy, where you can also learn different ways to reprogram your thought process, which of course is true. Now, these beliefs, it's up to you however you want to work through your anxiety. But what we tend to forget is that we are in control of way more than our anxiety makes us feel. One of the tools that I strongly use with clients is that if you're feeling anxious, if your thoughts are getting out of control, you want to challenge yourself and say, hey, what am I in control of? Mind, body, soul. So when I say mind, body, soul, that means in this moment, If you start with body, all right, I can wiggle my fingers. That means I'm in control of my body. If you say soul, what is something that you love to do that makes you feel good that you can either do in that moment or do later and plan for? That's showing that you're in control. Then you have your mind where you can challenge yourself to think of a memory, think of a moment in your life that brings you pure joy. If you're able to show yourself that with those three categories, you were in control, that's reminding you that whatever your anxiety is trying to convince you of isn't the truth. It's that alarm going off because maybe it hasn't been addressed. Maybe you haven't found the source yet of not only where your anxiety comes from, but the root of where it was established. I'm a big believer in ripping out the roots so then the weeds of that root don't affect the rest of your life. That is a big challenge for anyone to face. If you were to ask the people in your life, if they face those thoughts that they try and keep private, 
If they face the darkness that they try and ignore isn't there, most people would say no. Or some may even say they don't even exist. Because we try to ignore the uncomfortable, unhealthy, uneasy feelings instead of focusing on why am I feeling that way and where did it come from? If we don't rip out the roots, especially that are connected to our emotions, how are we going to be able to move forward? How are we able to fix it, handle it, control it, process all of that? You also might be listening and thinking, I tried therapy. I tried medication. I tried everything possible to work through my anxiety. And you're still feeling anxious and the anxiety is still taking control of your life. You want to think, all right, the talk therapy, were you getting the approach that you feel worked best for you? Was it deep rooted or was it more symptom based? Because there's so many different types of therapy to help manage anxiety or learn how to truly live with it. And some therapies focus on let's just alleviate the symptoms. So if you're someone who struggles with the physical aspects of anxiety or even the impulsive thoughts, you may be trying a type of technique that is just about the symptoms, not about the root, where then you could also look at there's deeper rooted therapy where you're trying to figure out when your anxiety was born within your life. As crazy as this may sound, the number one way anxiety shows up in people's lives is because it's passed down or it's learned. And that says a lot about how much we're in control over. So if let's say you grew up in chaos, you're always going to be anxious thinking that you're never safe. Now, if you fast forward and let's say you're in your 30s or 40s, and you're trying to truly feel secure within yourself, within your life, but not recognizing that all these anxious thoughts were established because you didn't have a sense of security in your childhood, no matter how many tools you use, you're not ripping out the root. So the root's just going to keep growing and weeds are going to keep growing in all different aspects until you truly face the hard parts of yourself. Having to face or befriend your anxiety is very challenging. Truly, it can feel as if it's one of the hardest things that you'd have to do because the fear that has been created around your anxious thoughts has been built to be way bigger than you're even really recognizing. When you look at that definition again, you may think, well, if you weren't diagnosed with, let's say, generalized anxiety or any other type of anxiety in the DSM, you can just be living and feeling these emotions. That's what we tend to forget of, especially now in this generation, anxiety is used so easily and loosely that we forget that it's also okay to have these emotions come up. That you can even have anticipation anxiety because you're so excited about something in your life. And that doesn't mean that there has to be a problem. It doesn't mean that it has to stop you from truly being present and truly living your life. It also shows that sometimes when you have these thoughts of thinking of what the outcomes are, there's a part of you that's so connected and in tune and aware of what you want of what can give you comfort, that if you were to 
let's say, write down your anxious thoughts that are impulsive that come in and can really turn around your day. If you were to break them down and check them based on, is this thought based on a fact or is this thought based on an emotion, you'd be able to realize how many emotions go unidentified within you every day and how many thoughts you're trying to convince yourself are factual when there's no fact to back it up. That is probably one of the best tricks of the trade is to be able to challenge that thought based on if it's coming from an emotional place or a factual place, because I guarantee most of your answers are going to say emotional. And that's because a lot of our emotion does not get the platform it deserves. If you had to think of right now, you may be listening to this when you're driving to work or during lunch, or even when you're getting ready for bed of how many emotions you went through today, of how many people you were around today, you could be carrying so much emotion without you even realizing it going from environment to environment or going through all your thoughts in a given day. But if you really had to sit down with your thoughts, have you said to yourself, oh, I hear you. I see you. I get that. I know why we're feeling this way. You're probably going to say no. It's very hard to look deep within and go inward within ourselves to acknowledge what we can do to make us feel supported, feel safe, feel secure, because we have been conditioned to look for external validation. That you may be nervous about an event, about a conversation that you have to have, and you're thinking of all these what-if scenarios, that all these what-if scenarios may not even happen. What if you shift the perspective And think of best case scenarios. Now, some people may say, well, if I think of best case scenarios, then I'm getting my hopes up. No, that's not what it is at all. You're putting out positive energy and reminding yourself that you can handle whatever situation comes up. To be able to think of the positive outcomes will allow your mind to gravitate towards all the different positive outcomes. And they don't even have to be the biggest positive outcome. They could even be small. It could just genuinely be Oh, I went to a party and I said hello to someone that I haven't seen in so long. I went to a party and I felt comfortable in what I was wearing. These little thought changes truly can change the verdict or outcome of any event or day that you're facing that may be making you feel uneasy. There are so many people that now are coming forward, especially after COVID, that are struggling with anxiety, struggling with the unknown. But what's wild to think is that we don't really know the outcome of life. We don't know the outcome of the day. We can maybe predict, but life happens. When you're too busy planning, life passes you. And anxiety can trick you to think that you are in control of so much of your life that thinking of all these what-if scenarios over worrying, overthinking is going to keep you safe. If anything, that's going to also keep you in survival mode. It's going to be very hard for you to be present, very hard for you to be in the moment because you're so fixated on what's to come. You're not focusing on what's happening now. And with it being a new school year, just truly a new change, a new season, we automatically start to get nervous about the shift, about the change. And All those anxious thoughts 
that you might be having about going into a new season, about how the weather's changing and it's going to start to get darker earlier. All of these things, we view it as, oh no, it's really going to change how we feel, how we act, how we live. But at the end of the day, what really controls how we live, how we feel and act are our thoughts. It's up to you if you want to be viewing it as you are in control of your thoughts or your thoughts control you. So everything that I'm talking about right now in this podcast is for every single person that has been made to feel that their anxiety is crippling, that their anxiety has held them back from doing things that they used to love, that they want to love, that anxiety is something that they've been judged for, that they have had people come in and out of their lives because they don't know how to truly help you. Again, these are human emotions that we all go through. Just sometimes people's alarm systems are stronger and bigger than others. That it is really important to remember that if you are someone who goes through anxiety and you are dealing with a loved one who doesn't know what that feels like, I'm sure there's a part of you that's like, I totally wish that I had their thought process, but also it can lead you to feel isolated and misunderstood. Some people don't even recognize that if you're an overthinker, you can absolutely have some anxiety going on. You can have some intrusive thoughts that you may not even recognize as anxiety, but it can be. And I'm I'm really not for giving out a diagnosis to someone because I really don't want them to have that associated with their identity, truly. I believe in anyone being able to define and establish who they are based on them as a person instead of what they're told they have based on symptoms. Now, if you're someone who can have crippling anxiety or struggle when it comes to panic attacks, I have shared this method before of an eviction process. So when you're able to separate your anxiety and take it away from being a part of you and you put a name to it, right? You could choose any type of name you want. You could choose someone maybe from your past that has hurt you, that if you label your anxiety, then you can go through this eviction process of stating that Let's say if I did this and I chose to name my anxiety when I was younger and I named it, let's say, Ronald. If I viewed it as, you know what, Ronald's time of living in my mind is up. So I'm going to go through an eviction process and I'm going to write down all of these things, all of these thoughts that Ronald has been telling me no longer serve me. And if I did that and I ripped it up or I burnt it, the relief and the control that I would feel, and I know this also works because I've used this method with other clients, you're reminded that you are in control. I know it may be so hard to hear that right now. And you may be thinking, yeah, I don't even think that works. I don't even think that I can be in control of changing this thought pattern. Look at how you're talking. So our narrative and our dialogue that we continue of saying, I can't do this, this won't work, this won't change. That's not the truth. If you actually do it and you start saying, my anxiety is no longer a part of me. My anxiety is something separate from me. My anxiety is about to get evicted from my life, from my mind. 
of course you're going to have slip ups. That's a part of life in general. But how you speak to yourself and reminding yourself that the resilience is there, that you can absolutely overcome this. And you can also figure out a way to live with your anxiety instead of having your anxiety make you pause from living in certain aspects. I want people truly to not be as judgmental of themselves and to also understand that not everyone's going to get your anxiety. Not everyone's going to get your thought process, but you can try to explain it in a way of you asking that loved one in your life, have they felt sad? Have they felt happy? Have they felt nervous? All of these are all emotions that we face that anxiety really just broken down are emotions that everyone has faced. Just sometimes people's emotions can be way, way stronger or more heightened than others because that's really what it is. And please don't even mistake in anything that I'm saying as I'm trying to undermine anyone who has battled with anxiety because I firsthand know how crippling and paralyzing it can be. But there wasn't as much education on how to truly change your thought process when I was younger. It was more of how to just treat the symptoms, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this field is because I wanted so many people to learn that they are in control of their thoughts, but also to feel as if they're not the only one that has battled, that has struggled, and that you can change your mindset to be able to live the life that you've envisioned for yourself or that your anxiety has told you or tried to convince you that you can't have. I know that not everyone is going to understand your thought process and that's okay. And that doesn't mean that you have to hold a grudge for people who may have not had patience with your thought process or your overthinking or your worry. That's okay. Because as long as you remind yourself that those people came into your life for a season, reason, or a lifetime, even if that was to teach you that people can only meet you as far as they've healed, if they don't understand you, then that's a great lesson. But it's up to you if you want to change the perspective of how you want to go through life, of how you also want to learn how to live with anxiety and befriend it. There has been way more transparency on so many levels about the different types of anxiety and the different ways that it can affect you. But what you want to remember is that anxiety is truly just emotion and feelings. And a lot of times it's because we can care and feel so deeply and so much, but we have no idea how to validate it. We look for other people to make us feel secure that I absolutely know Throughout my upbringing, I would get so anxious, whether if it was going to a party, whether if it was stepping into something that I haven't done before. And I would run through all these scenarios of, but what if this, but what if that, but what if? And now to think, it's like, okay, what if it goes better than you thought? What if you have a better time than you envisioned? What if you go and you can walk away from that environment or give an experience and say you tried because it's better to truly live life knowing that you took all the opportunities to grow instead of looking back and saying, I wish I did. Life is way too short. Anxiety can be or fool us to think that it's bigger than ourselves. 
But it's up to you to remember that your anxiety can only be as big as you allow it to grow within you. You want to be getting the most out of life and you absolutely don't want anxiety to be taking life away from you. So I'm hoping that the little tips and tricks that I provided with you today can be beneficial for moving forward and figuring out how to befriend your anxiety. Because really, the second that you just really realize that it's an alarm system trying to show you what needs to be addressed in your life or within yourself, it's not as scary. There's not as much fear there. And if you have had negative experiences with maybe not finding the proper care that works for you, you totally can. And you don't want to be giving up on yourself because you are so worth being able to find the treatment, the solution, the thought process that works best for you to allow you to keep living in life. And that's really what we're all trying to do here. We're all trying to live as much as we can before our time's up, before the clock runs out. And if I can, in some way, shape or form, impact a heartbeat right now to think, you know what? I want to give it another go to try and befriend my anxiety. Then that's a win for me. Because I'm living proof that anxiety does not have to control you. And I'm also living proof that your anxiety is not a part of your identity. So please remember to be kind to yourself, to be kind to others, but also that anxiety doesn't have to paralyze you. Anxiety can just truly be an alarm system to help you live and recognize the things that you want or that you're afraid of. And what matters most is that you give all of those feelings and emotions a platform because they truly deserve it. Thank you for intentionally listening to the Happy Place for Your Mind podcast. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Happy Place for Your Mind. Until next time, always remember to live in alignment with who you are.